0: I'm Taylor I'm Kat And welcome to Square Mile of Murder And uh, hey guys We made it to episode 80
1: Woohoo!
0: Uh, how is anyone's guess, really? <laughs> um, but yeah, so She is spite Yeah, just <laughs> we like We will do it Just like, God damn
1: it, we're getting there <laughs> But technically, we've done more than eighty because our Halloween ones, yes, didn't count in our numbering
0: system. Yes, that's true. They were just like a bonus; they weren't numbered. So, mm. so it's all a lie, is what we're telling you. There's no truth in our advertising. We're both very sleep deprived. <laughs> yeah, no, it's that's that's pretty cool. That's a lot of uh, stuff. Yeah, Ep- episode stuff. So. Lot of mur- lot of lot of murder and other yeah. things. Lots of crime. Lots of lots of fraud. Fraud. Yeah, yeah. So you know, if, if you if you didn't realize by now, we don't just do murder, which I realize you know is slightly confusing with the Given name and the title. But anyway, we've been here for eighty episodes. Can you tell? Do we sound just tired? <laughs> <laughs> Quite clearly. Um. But yeah. So. 80 that's a that's a nice a 10 a 10 a round number round number what, what is it a uh, multiple of 10 interval interval something math class from sixth grade don't remember it We've come to a, a 10 episode and you know what that means unless you don't unless you're new here in which case hi we have 79 other episodes at least for you to listen to go check them out And let us explain what we're doing here today. So every 10 episodes, we cover a Scottish case. And we started that with the four square mile murders, appropriately enough, for episodes 10, 20, 30, and 40. And then we just kind of kept going and carried on from there with a new Scottish case every 10 episodes. Uh, So that's what we're doing this week. And uh, sticking with this month's theme of ancient serial killers, we've actually managed to find an old Scottish killer for you by the name of Geordie Byrne. So let's get right to it.
1: I know that we say this so many times, we've already said it a thousand times this month and you're probably sick of hearing it, but records back in the day of these ancient serial killers weren't anyone's priority.
0: No. No i also feel like we say it just in every other episode too (laughs) like anything that didn't happen within the last five years we're like ah yeah i mean really
1: i think record keeping in the way we think it now is like a post second world war thing yeah i think that sort of the the late 40s into the 50s seems to be when records started to become much more comprehensive
0: yeah, I mean, and uh, and also, like, like generalised across Western society as well, because yeah. you've got like a u- lot of... Unified as yeah, well. Yeah, like, different countries and places doing different things as well. Yeah.
1: But, because we're on Ancient Serial Killers this month, we're going back way further than that. And, um... As such, we don't know exactly when or where Geordie Byrne was born. We don't know that he was born sometime in the 16th century and that he was Scottish. Well, that's about it.
0: Which is not a lot.
1: Yeah, this is this is like, you know, when some stories were like, we don't know much about their childhood. We don't know
0: anything about his. <laughs> we don't know anything about his childhood, his young adulthood, most of his adulthood. <laughs> like... Just him in general.
1: Yeah. But what we do know is that Jody led a band of men who carried out raids and attacks on Englishmen
0: in the English East Marches. So that's what we know. Um, so the English Marches were an area to the south of the Anglo-Scottish border. Uh, and the Scottish Marches were the area to the north. Uh, now, march comes from the old English word for border so that kind of makes sense. Which uh, actually comes from an old French word before that. Oh, well, of course. Mm. Sacre bleu. Yeah. Um, so the marches were used as a sort of buffer zone between Scotland and England in medieval times before the Acts of the Union unified the two countries in 1707. Uh, each country had an east, west, and middle march. Oh, is that where that phrase comes from? All the marches on both sides of the border were characterized by violence, with attacks and cross-border raids being a pretty regular thing. The marches are now known as the Borders, and what was the English East March is now the northeastern part of the county of Northumbria and includes the town of Berwick-upon-Tweed, which was an important border town fought over for centuries and is currently on the English side. Yeah, I think it's been on the English side for a few hundred years. I know, I, I like the, the way you've said that. It's like, Ik! who knows, next week it could be back <laughs> to Scottish.
1: <laughs> uh, well, you know, all these arguments about independence and everything.
0: Who knows, they could secede. And
1: every so often the North wants to secede as well. Yeah. we We, we want to go with Scotland <laughs> sometimes.
0: Join
1: us. So... Uh, But yeah, it's quite funny. I was an undergrad with a couple of guys who were from Berwick, um, and everyone thought they were Scottish because accents are so similar because
0: it's on the border. Actually, I think I've totally heard someone from there speak and um, like thought that they were Scottish. Yeah. It's just, it's like a very generic
1: sort of Scottish accent is the best way I can describe it. So border raids were so common that there was a name for those who carried out these attacks and raids in the borders during this period, and that is Border Reavers, if we're pronouncing it right. Yes. But we're going with this pronunciation because yeah. it makes sense.
0: Yeah, R-E-I-V. That sounds like Reavers. Yeah. Otherwise it would be Rivers.
1: Yeah, and that doesn't make sense to me, because that would be the, that would be I before I, E. Yeah. I think it's Reavers.
0: Yeah, I do too. It's like Firefly. Isn't that a thing in Firefly? I don't know. You tell me, fellow listeners. You've lost me. It's too nerdy. Okay. Move along.
1: So, if you didn't know, England and Scotland were at war very frequently during these times. So from the 13th to 17th centuries, which obviously led to a lot of turbulence
0: in the area. Which definitely has never happened since. No turbulence. No. No. And even when the two countries were
1: not at war, there was a lot of tension and unrest in the area. And just throughout the whole of the United Kingdom, really. Yeah. Although the border was hotly contested, law enforcement and royal power had little control over the area. Especially in the more rural regions away from the main border towns like Berwick and Carlisle. Which led to crime and violent raids all over the marches. And we also have to consider that these raids weren't just about exerting power and violence over others. Sometimes there were thefts that were simply about surviving. Stealing food, supplies, and whatever else you needed to get by. Fair enough. Not that that excuses it, but... No, but like... That's how like
0: dire the situation got. Yeah. Was that you had to resort to thieving to survive. Yeah. And now we tend to think of these raids as being led by nationalism, you know, one group crossing the border, raiding a place, then hopping back across the border home safe. Even when it was about stealing to survive, it was about stealing from the other side. But in reality, the raids were of a more sort of indiscriminate nature. It didn't matter if you were an Englishman stealing from English, or a Scot stealing from the Scottish, as long as you weren't stealing from your own family and friends, or those with protections, yeah, it was like a pretty much anything-goes situation. The region seemed to be a fairly lawless place, which is ironic, considering there were specific regional laws applicable only to the marches, a, bad, a bad, I can't say it. I suddenly have a cold. Imaginatively known as March Law. Seems appropriate. Yeah. Uh, interesting side note, the Anglo-Welsh border
1: and the Anglo-Irish border also have their own or had their own version of March, uh, march Laws. Uh, second interesting side note, the most common theft in the marches was that of livestock. Because land in like the uh, Anglo-Scottish border area isn't good for crop farming, so it's mostly like arable land, which is good for livestock grazing, but it's not good for like crop cultivation. So cattle rustling, sheep
0: rustling, pig
1: rustling—they were Big the yeah—they were the most common sort of property thefts.
0: Let's see, we've covered this sort of crime surprisingly a lot, like Skidmore.
1: Yep. Yeah. It's mostly when we go to Missouri. Yeah. Missouri. Missouri. Um, the, the senior citizen Oh, yeah, killers, the Copelands. Uh, Fain Ray Copeland,
0: yeah. And uh, a particularly fantastic example of it in our recent um, 4th of July Dummies bonus episode, I must say. <laughs> oh, yes. Pig thefts. That was fun. Pig theft, yeah. So... If that is a crime that interests you, we have you covered. Uh, Livestock theft, that was the uh,
1: most common. And keep it in mind because uh, it will become important soon. It always does. It always does. There's always a reason to our tangents. I mean, there's sometimes a reason for it. (laughs) Let them think that we've got everything covered. Uh, okay, okay, okay.
0: Don't let anyone know that we're just hot messes. I mean, I think 80 episodes in, if they haven't figured that out by now, then, like, they haven't been paying attention, so... Yeah.
1: But we we're, yeah, la- we're glad you're here. When we, get to- when we get to 100, there
0: will be a quiz. <laughs> oh, God. I'm gonna have to prepare. <laughs> <laughs> Not for you! Oh, good. Well, then, uh, that's fine. It'll be really hard, then. Since I don't have to take it. <laughs> um, Yeah. So, the laws were essentially an agreement between the two countries to prosecute those who carried out cross-border raids and recover the stolen property. Um, And they were enforced by the Wardens of the Marches. Each of the Marches had their own warden who oversaw the region, and they answered to the Lord Warden, who was in charge of the entire border region. March laws were only in effect during peacetime uh because they required cross border cooperation and if you were trying to conquer or annex parts of another country i mean that's not really going to put them in the mood to cooperate go figure yeah
1: like okay well we've we've got this side of your border now but you need to help us out <laughs> yeah
0: yeah it's like um nah, no thanks uh but the problem with march law was that it only applied to cross border offenses and it didn't do anything to solve the problem of crime within each country's borders so like scott on scott or english on english yeah crime right yeah that just
1: didn't do anything for that really so uh coming back to our antagonist uh most of what we know about Geordie Byrne comes from the account of Englishman Sir Robert Carey, who was the first Earl of Monmouth. He was also the Lord Warden of the Marshes, who oversaw all the wardens on the English side of the border, as well as holding various positions of uh, Warden of the Middle March and Warden of the East March at various times in the fifteen nineties. Tensions in the border territories and raids being carried out by border reavers were at their height throughout the late 16th century and into the 17th century, before we finally get to the Acts of the Union at the beginning of the 18th century. And uh, Carey is credited with helping ease tension in the marches, as well as helping to reduce crime
0: and influence uh, of the border reavers in the area. Uh, along with his Scottish counterparts, it seems that Sir Robert Carey was actually well aware of who Geordie Byrne and his band of man... man? <laughs> his one-man one, his one his, man band. Yeah, really? Yeah, like, that one guy followed him around with the, the snare drum and the cymbals and the... Oh, God. I'm not even the, the sleep-deprived one here today.
1: No, you. That, that's my role. What, what's your excuse?
0: Utter stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, we're going to go again. <laughs> Along with his Scottish counterparts, it seems that Sir Robert Carey was actually well aware of who Geordie Byrne and his band of men were and what he had been up to in the marches in the late 1590s. However, Carey, it seems, didn't get on well with some of his Scottish Counterparts, especially Robert Kerr, 1st Earl of Roxburgh, who was appointed Warden of the Middle March in 1594. Uh, The pair had a series of long running disputes throughout their tenure in the marches. Although we have to remember that Carey's account of the raids was edited in 1759 by the Earl of Cork and Arary, and again in 1808 by Sir Walter Scott, so details may have been added or removed or edited in some way. Geordie Byrne had earned himself a reputation for travelling across the border from Scotland under the cover of darkness and stealing livestock.
1: So, Carey had made attempts to work with Scottish match Warden Robert Kerr, hoping that if the two of them cooperated, they would be able to ease tensions in the borders and reduce the violent crime that took place. So, he sent a servant with a letter to Robert Kerr, requesting that they meet in order to discuss the state of the borders. But Kerr, instead, got the servant drunk, waited till he passed out, then went out with some uh, Scottish border reavers on a cross-border raid. During this raid, he murdered an unarmed Englishman.
0: Oops. Yeah,
1: that's not the, cross, the kind of like cross-border cooperation that Kerr is asking for. Nah. So, sources vary, as always, but some say that the band of Reavers was led by Geordie, uh, Geordie Byrne. Others say it was another group of Reavers who had no connection to, to Geordie. But either way, the following morning, the servant awoke with a sore head and no idea what Kerr had been up to the previous night. He returned to Kerry with a letter from Care ex- uh, agreeing to a meeting and you know, generally very positive about the two of them working together. <laughs> but Carry soon discovered that Kerr had been involved in a raid, killing an Englishman. Uh, so he skipped the meeting, vowed never to work with Robert Kerr, and uh, swore to avenge this wrong which had been committed against his fellow countrymen.
0: You know, when you start avenging wrongs, you know it's, it's not going to end well. Slippery slope. Yeah, it's never, never good. Uh, So as winter set in and the nights became longer and darker, raids in the marches increased and Kerry began patrolling the inroads from Scotland along with the garrison stationed in Berwick. One night they came upon Geordie Byrne and his men as they tried to herd stolen cattle across the border into Scotland. I just... I'm just picturing that now. You know, the (laughs) cows don't move that fast, so... I feel like it would be pretty easy to catch someone doing that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it was
1: like, what, 1597? So he, you know, the technology is not where it is now. True. You'd, You'd still be, you know, on horses. But they are faster than cows, so. They are, but you'd still, you know, you'd still be patrolling on horses, you wouldn't it's not like you would have, like, a quad bike going off-roading, <laughs> like, rounding them all
0: up. <laughs> Jordy Burns, top right there. This is the police. Oh, God. Yeah, so they're trying to herd, herd Bessie's across the border into Scotland. Uh, one of the garrison shot Jordy's uncle as the raiders tried to flee back across the border, but they were caught before making it to safety. When Jordy was arrested, it was discovered that he was a close personal friend of Robert Kerr, who is described by the website Borders Reavers Stories, which is uh, appropriately devoted to the history of the Reavers. Uh, Kerr was described as a warlord who had supported Jordy in his raiding and murdering of the English. Jordy believed that he was safe and that Kerr would come to his rescue. But uh, things didn't exactly work out like that.
1: So some of the English were worried about the political situation and potential unrest that could be caused by the arrest of a friend of one of the wardens. But this didn't deter Robert Carey, who convened a jury the morning after Geordie's arrest to try him for treason.
0: Whoa.
1: Yeah. ain't no messing about up in the borders. Along with the cross-border cattle rustling, Geordie was also discovered to have murdered seven Englishmen during various raids. Geordie was found guilty of match treason, for which the only sentence was death. But Carey did eventually agree to hold off with the execution, until Care had been informed, and even offered to spare Geordie on the assurance from Care that he would stop running with the Border Reavers, and instead, you know, commit to his job as warden. And Geordie's sitting there, quite confident that Care would spare his
0: life. I mean, that's a big ask to do your job properly. I don't yeah. know. Uh, so Jordy spent the night with a priest, confessing and repenting. He claimed to have lain with 40 men's wives on both sides of the border. Now I'm not sure if that's 40 on each side or like or 40 overall. 40 overall, yeah. Or if it's, or it's like, not- is it an even split? Is it like 20 and 20? Is it like 10 and 30? I don't know. It's a lot of questions there. And according to Carrie's memoirs, uh, Geordie said he had wasted his life drinking, whoring, and thieving. Unfortunately, there was no reply from Kerr. And the following day, less than 48 hours after being arrested, Geordie Byrne was executed. Kerr later vowed revenge on Carrie for Geordie's execution. But Kerry was moved from the marches to London the following year, and the two never fought hand to hand. The marches and their jurisdiction uh, were abolished in 1707 with the Acts of the Union that formally unified England and Scotland. And that is the story of Geordie Byrne, Scottish border reaver and murderer. Yeah. Interesting one. Yeah, it's a short one. Because yeah. there's not that much information about it. No, <laughs> oh, but
1: it. I think it's quite interesting. Yeah. I do also have a slight tangent uh. to... I half explained it to you before we started. So... Um, So, Geordies are people from Newcastle in the northeast of England. So when I started doing the research for this, I couldn't find anywhere that said that Geordie Byrne was Scottish. Yeah. All I could find was that he was in the English borders. And I started to think, oh, please let him be Scottish. (laughs) Because it's supposed to be a Scottish story. Yeah. And not someone who is nicknamed Geordie. Yeah. And eventually I did find confirmation that he's Scottish. But what I also learned is basically I have got my... uh, My border history all wrong for most of my life. So in Newcastle, uh, sort of of East Newcastle, there is a place called Wall's End, Uh which is the end of Hadrian's Wall. Makes sense. So Geordie borders. Can you see where I'm going with this and why I was getting confused? I was thinking, okay, so he's actually a Geordie and he was in, like... So he's a Geordie guy, and he's in the borders. He's not necessarily Scottish. Mm -hmm. That is because I always thought, and I'm sure we were taught this, I'm sure it's not something I've just picked out of thin air, that Hadrian's Wall, which which goes across England, parts of northern England, I always thought that was the original border. Oh. Which is why I was getting confused, and it's actually not. It was like it's a fortified wall or was and the romans built it and that was their like last line of defense from the caledonians
0: Mm
1: -hmm. you know the scottish the border has always been up in the borders way further north in the area that it still is now Mm -hmm. it's just that they built this defensive wall further south
0: and then there's like a buffer zone in between the two.
1: Yeah. Oh. So then you've got your bu- you've got Northumbria and Cumbria, mm-hmm. which are the two northern like northernmost counties in England. Are like your buffer zone between. Yeah. But I'd always thought that the wall was a border.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: And I'm sure I'm not the only person who thinks this because I'm sure,
0: I'm sure I must have been taught it. Well, and I, like I feel like that's what you hear. Like, the thing you hear about in terms of the border between, or the delineation between Scotland and England is Hadrian's Wall. So, Mm. that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I was getting myself really confused (laughs) when I was doing the research. Because I was like, he's called, I was like, okay, so he's in the borders and he's called Geordie. I was like, he can't be Scottish, he must be English. And then, yeah, yeah, learned this about, about the border.
0: There you go. We're we're all about uh,
1: learning new things here, and um, the so there's the origins of the word Geordie as a description for people from Tyneside. Um, like the origins are disputed, but most of them come about after Geordie Byrne was executed. So, uh, so
0: just a just a coincidence, just,
1: yeah yeah so there you go you can all enjoy my um
0: historical confusion <laughs> um i mean it didn't help that when i put it into the program i i said his name was george so
1: no that didn't help that confused me as well sorry about that i think Jordy is a much better name it is another point there's a lot of statues and tributes to the border reavers in towns and cities on both sides of the border. That's interesting. So, Gala Shields, which is in uh, Scotland, and Carlisle, which is in England, uh, two of the, the most prominent examples, they've got statues of the reavers just kicking about the town centre.
0: Oh, that's really interesting, considering yeah. sort of how.
1: <laughs> the. There was another role of the Reavers as um, soldiers mm. during wartime. That makes sense. So I am going to assume it's more to do with that <laughs> than it is to is do with the raids.
0: It? Yeah, possibly. But, uh,
1: I, I find that quite interesting, especially at a time when the idea of statues and who we should have as what statues we should have and who we should celebrate is, like, a really hotly contested issue. Yeah. Has been for the last year.
0: Yeah. So... so. Uh, it is interesting, because it's, I mean, usually the, the things or the people that get memorialized in statues are seen to be rightly or wrongly by history as, like, the victor, the good guy, the and not just, like, a band of weirdos who sometimes fight but sometimes thieve. <laughs> Yeah. I'm also sure that some of these raids that uh, the Reavers went on brought much needed supplies, food, yeah. livestock into either side. You know, it may have been ill begotten, but it also, like we said before, helped people survive. So they were probably yeah. idolized for that.
1: Tentatively. Compare that to like um, Babel Escobar. He, if Narcos is to be believed, is still, um, like celebrated as like a folk hero in, especially in like the uh, the is it barrios, favelas, like the the poor yeah. neighborhoods in in Medellin, yeah, because he gave them money, he helped them survive, he opened up various things in the community, yeah. He killed a fuck ton of people.
0: Yeah. And it's all blood money. But still. I I again I think it's interesting because it's like the the main information about this guy comes it comes from Carrie's account, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. So not only is Jordy Byrne's story basically written and told by the guy who executed him (laughs) Mm. like it's told by a a guy in power in an opposing country um uh, so i don't know it's it's interesting it's like what what other if they survived what other information about him would be out there yeah because who knows and also like you said that the uh carrie's recollections had been yeah they've been edited twice and and yeah and republished
1: hundreds of years after he uh after this event
0: yeah so like they could have just said whatever basically yeah whatever they wanted so who knows maybe it wasn't cattle maybe it was ferrets <laughs> ferrets are pretty fast, though. They wouldn't have had an issue with the with the border patrol yeah, but you there. Could,
1: you couldn't herd ferrets. I don't know. You could get them across the border, but you wouldn't find them again.
0: I mean, yeah, whatever.
1: They'd be like, "Nope, I'm out of here." Haven't you heard of the wild ferret problem in Scotland? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, you could even look at it in comparison to Sawney Bean. Oh which yeah, we know is. Propaganda, propaganda by the English against the Scots. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Which came about after the Acts of the Union. Yeah. So in the editing and rewriting of this story, it could have been done for propaganda purposes.
0: Yeah. To make the Scots look bad. Yeah.
1: Because the
0: English like doing that. <laughs> you know, it's really interesting that you bring that up because I feel like every episode that we've done this month We've mentioned Sonny Bean because it's Wow. It's the thing. And it I think what, what what it comes down to is with a lot of these ancient quote unquote ancient cases is that they're all kind of a lesser version of that um propaganda. Mm-hmm. Like they've all been twisted over time. They've all been changed over time where like sawny bean is the most extreme example like there surely was highwaymen who you know patrolled by the the sea in it was like airshire or something right yeah central southwest coast of scotland yeah like sure but they probably weren't incestuous cave-dwelling cannibals like So that's, like, the extreme. And then you have, like, Elizabeth Bathory, who, you know, probably killed some of her staff. Mm. And uh, some people, but maybe wasn't, you know, bathing in the blood of virgins or whatever it may be. So, like... Yeah, and probably didn't kill 650.
1: I've no doubt she killed... Some. Plenty, but I don't think she killed that many.
0: Yeah, exactly. And like, but yeah, it's just like, I think if nothing else, this has shown us that history contorts. And Hmm. as things get, or at least in the past, I don't know how this is going to change with the digital age, but that's a whole nother issue. Like, as things were written down versus passed along orally like they just uh, details get missed or details get changed or someone is like, well, that doesn't make a good story. Let's add some cannibals in there. So yeah. it's interesting.
1: But on the other side of that, in sort of the age of alternative facts and disinformation, we don't know. Hist- Let's like say history is always written by the victors. Yeah. And sure. People can reclaim the history. Through like very painstaking research, it can be reclaimed. Yeah, but we don't know what that's going to look like in a hundred years. Cause look at what is going. Like look at what's happened this this week in in the Middle East.
0: Yeah, did you hear about the thing where twenty people uh seized Edinburgh Castle yesterday? I did. Based on the Magna Carta,
1: the Magna Carta does not apply. Firstly, it does not apply yeah. anymore. It applied for less than a hundred years, and secondly, it never applied to common folk. It applied to the up. Op- it applied to the landed
0: gentry. So it applied to like literally twenty-five people. <laughs> yeah, and it, but they they seized the castle to take it back for the people because the Scottish government was being run by a band of pedophiles. Also, sorry, the the most important part of that, the Magna
1: Carta. Is it was 800 years ago. That was before the Acts of the Union. The Magna Carta applied in England, not Scotland. Yeah.
0: And also, I was reading something, it's like, it, it never... The article that they were quoting was never actually made into a law. So, even mm-hmm. if it did apply to this group of people that they're saying it does, it wouldn't apply anyway, because it was never a law. <laughs> yeah. So, I think they...
1: Are going to remember be remembered as the fools, yeah. But we don't know what is going to happen in Afghanistan, so we don't know what history is going to look like in a hundred years, yeah. Because we don't know how this is going to be remembered, same as how Vietnam is remembered in different ways. Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So if say the acts of the Union had gone the other way, and power had been central, had been held in Edinburgh rather than London Mm -hmm. and you know because you know how people use like England and the UK and Great Britain interchangeably Interchangeably. when they're really not the same thing and say instead it was like Scotland instead of you know Scotland and the UK and Great Britain interchangeably these accounts would undoubtedly be different Sawney Bean would be about English families you know this border river would be an English family yeah Reaver killing the scottish so yeah there, there's truth and outright lies in in all of these yeah um these records and these stories um as they've been passed down over the years yeah and i think i have lost the train of this conversation <laughs> i
0: think that the important thing also to remember with a lot of these stories and like quote unquote historical accounts is that you know nobody was watching Netflix back in the day this was entertainment reading these things yeah. some of them being performed like in in public you know sort of recited like mm. this kind of these, these grains of historical truth that then get turned into folklore was television, was, f- you know, theater and, and and film and everything. So, like, just as, you know, what uh, something that we've looked at, Wind River, it's not mm. a real story, but it's based on real stories. Yeah. So, if you think about that, yeah, it kind of makes mm. sense that the facts are all a little bit loosey-goosey in some of these yeah, they've all had their own directors cut yeah exactly depending who is telling the story yeah so yeah something to think about but no i think it's it's uh it's been a very enlightening month looking at some of these yeah for me because like i when we came across this topic I was like okay we're just I'm gonna google some ancient serial killers and see what pops up and we've either programmed in we've either covered this month most of the ones that we first sort of listed down or we're gonna cover them later but like yeah they're definitely more than you think some of them are fucking crazy and yeah i don't know people have been terrible to each other for centuries <laughs> is that the moral of the story i think it
1: is because my sort of my interest in it as a sort of subject came from like we talk about jack the ripper as the first serial killer ever yeah. and he wasn't. wasn't you know even in just the years the few years leading up to uh his crimes There were people all over England, you know, killing anyone in sight with, you know, strychnine or cyanide for insurance money. Yeah. Yeah. I I understand, like, obviously the concept of him as the first serial killer because of like the media frenzy that surrounded it. But I was also like really interested in like, there's so many well-known cases and less known cases. Yes. Before
0: that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like. I think part of that is because they still don't know who did it,
1: yeah, I mean that's the the lasting, yeah, that's the enduring factor of of Jack the Ripper is everyone wants to solve this mystery, yeah,
0: whereas like well, and also at mm-hmm. at the point in time that that happened in like the eighteen eighties right um. Yeah. Western society had shifted away from the sort of, like, if you think about um, La Custa of Gaul, the uh, bonus episode that we did, like, the early Roman Empire was just basically a murder fest and, you know, full of political infighting and literal backstabbing and, (laughs) like... So by eighteen the eighteen eighties, you know, we're in the the industrial age. We've moved away from like literally killing your enemies to gain yeah, power.
1: Literally,
0: literally having an apothecary on
1: retainer to poison your enemies. Yeah.
0: So like it's more about it's more about social power instead of like oh, that guy, he has he has the title I want. I'm going to murder him so I can have it. Mm. Um, Or, you know, it's about financial power. So I think maybe that's why it's more shocking because people didn't just kill to get what they wanted by that point. Yeah. Most people. So... I
1: feel like we've taken a big detour and we should probably save some of this
0: for another time. Why would you think that? I I I wholly disagree. Whatever. <laughs> I yeah. It's been an interesting month. Heard about some people that I've never heard about before, so yeah. that's been that's been cool. But yeah, so hopefully you guys have enjoyed this uh this topic. And if there are any others that we haven't covered that you think are really interesting, like let us know. We can always slip them in somewhere else um in the future. So
1: Yeah, and if you got any themes or ideas you'd like us to explore
0: tell us yeah. and we'll see yeah um and you can you can tell them to us on social media or uh you can email them to us at info at square dot uh we have been getting some more emails lately which is super awesome and we love reading it uh we do just want to say that while we will read every email that comes into the the inbox, we don't always have time to respond to all of them, so do bear that in mind. Um if you're looking for more of a like direct line of communication with us, Patreon is your best bet. Uh if you like the show, rate us and review us, especially on Apple Podcasts, subscribe wherever you listen. And you know, you've heard this, we have merch. If you want merch, You can get merch, uh, and you can get it at squaremileofmurder.store. Yep. And Patreon
1: does help us cover the costs of making this podcast and help us invest in the future of the show. Tiers start at just £1 per month. Every patron gets to chat to us, or chat to each other, you know? Yep. Make your own little community. Um, you get regular episodes a day early, a shout out on the show, priority case requests, and a lifetime discount on merch. As the tiers go up, you get even more, including bonus episodes and exclusive stationary merch that you can't buy anywhere. Mm-hmm. So check that out at Patreon.com/slash SquareMalliveMeta. Links are in all the usual places, and uh, we will be back. Oh, we'll be back on Friday for patrons with our monthly ramble. Yes. everyone else we will be back next wednesday thank you for listening we'll see you then yeah
0: thanks so much see you later
1: guys Bye. bye